Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners. This season, we're pleased to partner with Athabasca University as we take our show production fully online. Athabasca University is celebrating 50 years as Canada's online university. On this show, we talk with midlife learners about their educational journeys, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. When you think about training as a nurse, online learning may not be the first image that comes to mind. Yet that's exactly how Bobby Scott pursued her RN designation. Bobby was working as an LPN, or licensed practical nurse, when she decided it was time to take her skills to another level. She enrolled with Athabasca University to pursue her studies part-time, while also working and raising a family, and she's joining me from Yellowknife. Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks. Now, before we get into your journey, I want to ask you about Yellowknife and living in Northern Canada. How long have you lived there for? I have lived in Yellowknife for just over a year. I moved here in June of 2019. However, I did previous to that live in Inuvik, Northwest Territories, which is a community that's about 60 kilometers uh, south of the Arctic Ocean. And I lived there for six and a half years. So the North is not uh, not, uh, something that I'm unfamiliar with. Wow. And what's it like living in the north? You're you're the first guest that I've had on the podcast who's lived in the north. So I'm I'm super curious about living in the north and and living in Yellowknife. How would you uh, describe your life there? Um I feel like it's a it's a bit more simple, a bit more laid back than uh living in the south. I'm from southern Ontario originally. Um my husband and I first went to northern Ontario when we were first married and lived there in a remote uh, community for three years and loved it. And, and so the North kind of bit us. And then we moved South after we had our kids back to Southern Ontario and then moved, took the giant leap to Inuvik, which is, um, which is really, really far North. And, um, uh, we absolutely love living in the North. Uh, there's just something that grabs you about it. And, uh, and having lived here for, for over seven years, uh, you meet people that either come and they love it and they stay forever or they come, they have a good time and they say, thanks a lot. And off they go. Uh, so it's not for the faint of heart. Um, especially with the uh, COVID recently, I haven't been home to see my family in in a couple of years, I wasn't able to get home last year and, and this summer we weren't able to leave again. Um, so you really learn how to, um, make long distance relationships and friendships really work. Um, and living in the north, um, I equate it to, um, you know, really connecting with people as opposed to um, connecting with events and, and things and activities. Um, the one thing I love about it is that um, you get together and you have like dinners at home and house parties and and you do things with other people that you work with and that are in your community rather than going to an event at a bar or at, at you know... Um, a farmer's market or something like that. In, whereas in the city, you're more, you do things instead of being with people. Um, so that's one thing that we find that we love about the North and that we missed about the North in the, in the few years that we lived back in Southern Ontario after that first little, little bite that we had. Um, there's a lot of nature up here. It's beautiful. Uh, the winters are harsh. The summers are amazing. Although albeit short, um, the weather uh, is extreme, and um, 
we we just love it. It's my family comes to visit um, and they think we're crazy and they say, why do you live there? And you have to fly in on all these tiny planes and all this stuff. But um, we wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. You paint a, a very enticing picture of the North. And uh, so full disclosure, I'm originally from Vancouver. I used to think of Edmonton as the North. <laughs> we did too. I grew up in Southern Ontario and thought like, my husband is from Northern Ontario, and the first time we went to his his visit his family, which was about a seven hour drive north, uh, and I didn't realize even that we were still in Canada. And uh, so I d- grew up in a very small, you know, bubble and and didn't travel far. And um, my husband and I, luckily, we're both on the same page when it comes to travel, and we've seen Canada from, um, you know, Quebec west and then of course north the only places that i haven't been are um the east coast atlantic provinces which it's on my bucket list and none of it um and i can't wait to to get there and see the rest of the country um when i was growing up we always used to go somewhere hot for our vacations and we'd go to florida and we'd do disney and when i started seeing canada i was like hooked yeah we have uh, an amazing country here in canada absolutely um, now I want to get into uh, talking a bit about your work, um, which will will also segue into your back to school journey. So let's talk about your work first of all as an LPN, and I, I kind of want to understand why you decided to go back and get your registered uh, nurse or RN. You said that uh, in your guest questionnaire, this would make uh, your career more portable, you would be more employable. So maybe I'll get you to start with just explaining how does an LPN differ from an RN and what types of duties or opportunities um, can you do with each designation? Right. Um, Just first of all, I want to say I was an LPN for 15 years. And there's a lot of debate in the nursing community what the differences are between an RN and an LPN. The easiest, quickest, basic way to say it is that the type of patient that an LPN can look after as opposed to an RN is the biggest difference. An RN can care for and manage a patient who is unstable and has unpredictable outcomes, whereas an LPN manages a patient that has predictable and stable outcomes. Uh, for example, you won't see a lot of LPNs working in an ICU or an eMERGE uh, in a hospital. You'll see your LPNs working more in extended care, long-term care. Um, if they are in acute care, they they would take the more stable patient load. Um, you'll see them in postpartum nursing, um, at, but you wouldn't see them in labor and delivery. You wouldn't see them um, in, in the roles where your patients are unstable. So the skill set differs per province and per territory. Um, but the main difference is just that type of patient and the acuity of the patient that you can look after. Um, for me, um, because I've done sort of Northern and re- um, remote nursing, I want to go further. I want to go into health centers and do something in smaller communities and be able to do that kind of fly-in stuff and, and to do the, you know, um, flight nursing and that kind of stuff is sort of, you know, it's always in the background and it's there. That's not an opportunity that an LPN necessarily would have an easy time getting into um, because of the acuity and the uh, stability of the patient that you're caring for. Very interesting. And I know so little about nursing. So all of this is fascinating to me. And I'm wondering, so you, um, you did your program at Athabasca University. How did you first hear about the program and connect with Athabasca? 
we were talking about having family and I wanted a full-time job. This was back in 2003. I couldn't find full-time work where we were living um, as an LPN. So we ended up, that's how we ended up in the North in the first place. It was, it was the only place that I could find a full-time indeterminate job um, as an LPN. Um, when I was there, there were a couple of uh, girls that I worked with that had gone, had gotten their RN diploma through college and wanted to upgrade to their degree. And they had gone through Athabasca um, at the time. And because it was, again, it was a northern remote location, they could do most of it online. Um, you can still do your RN diploma to degree through Athabasca. And it, it's, it's, I think, maybe five or six courses that you have to take to upgrade. Um, the LPN to Bachelor of Nursing program um, is a lot more in-depth. It's a three-year full-time um, uh, program. Um, if you do it part-time, you have, I think, up to seven years to finish it all. So I'd heard about it when we lived uh, in Moose Factory, and then that was around the time in our life when I was having kids and, and not really focused on um, advancing my career at that point, although I was starting to see the limitations that I was having as an LPN. In that position, because we were in a remote posting, I was able to expand my scope a little bit more there. After we moved back town to Southern Ontario, my scope of practice became quite limited in what skills I could perform at work. Um, so that to me started me thinking like, maybe I should look into this. This is something that I would want to do. I knew I couldn't quit my job and go back to school um, as I, you know, I, I make more money than uh, my husband does. So I was the one that was going to be the primary breadwinner. Um, and so I just financially, I couldn't quit my job and go back to school. So I started looking into Athabasca and its flexibility. And I thought, you know, I'll give it a try, do a couple courses, see how it goes. I did two courses back in 2007, I believe, uh, or 2008, um, and just found that to pay for the courses and to focus uh, and, 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 complete the work. It just wasn't working. I had two small kids, um, that were, you know, just toddlers and it, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, uh, commit that much time to myself and to school at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and there, you've, you've raised a couple of really interesting issues. Um, the first being that, you know, as midlife people, you know, for most of us, it's not really feasible just to kind of drop out of the workforce and, and go to school full time. So we, we need these programs um, like the ones offered by Athabasca that have some flexibility. And then secondly, timing is everything. So even though you kind of had that desire to start the program at a certain time, um, you know, there were other things going on in, in your life that were, were taking a priority, you know, at that point in time. And I want to get um, into that, uh, how you got refocused and how you actually got back into your program. But before we go there, I just want to stick with this theme a little bit more about this uh, online learning and blended program. So um, as I was saying in your introduction, when we think about nursing, we don't usually think about online learning. And to be more accurate, this was actually a blended program because you did the theory online, but you did the clinical piece in person. Can you just paint a picture of how exactly that worked? Like, did you fly somewhere central to do that clinical piece? Or what did that look like? Yeah, so um, when I originally restarted the program, um, it was a big, um, you know, chat with my husband to say like, hey, if I get to this point in the program, like when I restarted, I never thought it would finish. I thought, oh, this will be a pipe dream. I'll, you know, pick away at it. And eventually, you know, I'll just kind of fizzle out and it won't actually happen. I had a lot of cheerleaders in my life and a lot of people I told everybody at work and I told my husband like, you know, there's going to be days that I'm going to hate this and I'm not going to want to do it. 
And they really kept me focused and motivated. And um, so when I got to the point uh, with the Athabasca program, I had to do two one-month in-person clinicals. A third clinical was like an online, kind of like a Zoom thing where we had meetings and things like that. And then I had to do um, a 400-hour preceptorship at the end. Um, So for those um, clinical pieces, if you live in Edmonton or you live in a larger center, um, for the clinical pieces, you had to go to Edmonton or Calgary and be there with Athabasca, Athabasca instructors. Um, so you, I had one, uh, my first one was on a surgical unit, um, which was uh, a lot of like gastrointestinal, so abdominal surgeries. Um, my second one was in public health. So I did um, like immunization clinics and home visits and that kind of stuff. Um, so for those, I had to go to Edmonton uh, and physically be there. Each of them was a month long, so four weeks, um, a few couple lab days just to kind of get your skills um, evaluated. And then you went into the hospitals and did work. My final preceptorship, and this was kind of the precursor to us moving to Yellowknife, was actually in Yellowknife. Um your final preceptorship has a little more flexibility. You don't have to go to Edmonton. You can do it in your own city or your own place, but it can't be at your own hospital. So in Anuvik, I worked at the hospital, so I couldn't do my final preceptorship at my hospital. So I actually came to Yellowknife um, and uh, did my final preceptorship here. And that's what got me thinking and got the the wheels turning a little bit about, hey, you know, I, I could probably live here. Like this, this is something that I could handle. Um, so yeah, uh, with the online theory stuff, it's, it's very lonely. It's very, uh, self-directed. It's very, um, it's hard. I found it very hard to to stay motivated and stay focused. Once I got into those, um, clinicals, I met people that were at the same stage in their, in their education as I was that we could cheer each other on and really uh, motivate each other to finish. And we would keep in touch. And I'm still in touch with a couple of the girls that I, that I did my first clinical with. And as we went through, um, you know, uh, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is, these are the courses I'm finishing. Oh, Hey, I finished this one. These are my, you know, my advice to you to finish this one up. And when, as we wrote our NCLEX and as we went through and graduated, we kind of stuck together and, and sort of cheered each other on through that. So at that point it got a little easier because you kind of felt like you were in a, a classroom. Whereas before it's, uh, doing the theory, it's, it's very, it, this is lonely is, is, is probably the best way to describe it. I totally relate to that. And and in a way, your program mirrors my program. Um, so we had this three-week in-person um, uh, kind of intensive, almost like a clinical kind of a, a course. And people who were from other cities had to come to Edmonton and, and meet people physically. And then we had a lot of time on our own online. And, and yeah, it can feel very lonely um, when you're kind of out there by yourself. But once you have that community, you feel really supported and you feel like there are people that you can ask questions of. And and I, I think that was like one of the best parts of, of my journey. And it sounds like that's something that, that you really valued as well. Um, I do want to ask you about being away from your family for a month at a time. Like that is a really long time to be away, especially when you have kids. How did the family make that work when you were gone for such a long stretch of time? Well, it's to be completely like upfront and honest, it did not go well. (laughs) So the first time that I was away, it was my first time ever being away and on my own in my life. I went from 
living with my parents to living with roommates to living with my husband to being married and having kids and then having so I always had people around. So I had never done anything, traveled anywhere or lived anywhere on my own. So for me personally, it was a huge step. And I remember getting on the plane to leave Inuvik and like crying and just being so upset. Like, I just want you guys to come with me so that I don't have to be by myself. And I had rented an Airbnb and like everything was new. I had never really been to Edmonton and, and it was, it was really intimidating for me personally. Um, my husband, who is my rock, he's a rock star. He is the best dad in the world and the best husband in the world. He like held it together at home. Um, he in Anuvik had a really stressful job. Um, and when I came back from that first clinical being away, being gone for a month, things were not fantastic. Uh, when I got back, he had a really stressful, um, time when I was gone and tried to support me and didn't, you know, tell me about it and wasn't leaning on me. Um, did lean on some of the, the families that we knew in Anuvik that we were very close with, because of course we had no family around parents and, and things like that. So, um, we call them, you know, our Anuvik family, our, our close friends, uh, helped him out in that, but he had a really hard time and actually ended up having to take a bit of time off work, some stress leave after that, just because it was so difficult for him to, to do that on his own. Um, and then that kind of leads into our decision Then I said, okay, well, I, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm done. I'm not going to finish school. Like it's not worth it to do this and, and, and put this much stress on the family. Like I'm just, I can't do it. And my husband. Was this a long break that you were talking about? No, this was like, this was um, when I was getting through um, oh. school and I was like two courses away from being finished. Oh my. So I was like, you know, this was the point, like the kids were, oh, like 11 and 13 or 10 and 12 or something like that, but like old enough that they were, that they were doing well. And it was a lot of, um, my husband's job was, was super stressful. And that was, he was having a hard time with that and being a single dad and, being away and, and that kind of thing. So it was really, really tough. And, and at that time, um, uh, I contacted a friend of mine who had, who used to live in Anuvik. Um, and he's a nurse that I met up there and he and I were really close friends. His name's Andrew. Um, Andrew and I were really close friends. He, um, and his girlfriend had moved to, uh, Kelowna to kind of get, get on with, with their lives. And, and his girlfriend actually was going back to school for, um, a laboratory tech, uh, course that she wanted to take. Um, so I actually called up my friend Andrew and I was like, Hey, like school went great. And I was, I had this great, you know, placement in Edmonton and everything was great, but I'm like, Mike had a really tough time at home. And, and like, I don't think I can finish school. And, and Andrew was like, listen, I'm going to come up and and when your next clinical is, and I'm going to come and stay at your house and I'm going to live with Mike and the kids and I'm going to be you. And I was blown away first of all. And Andrew was a nurse that I met in Anuvik. He worked at Anuvik Hospital uh, alongside myself. And so I went to my manager because I obviously had to take time off work to go and do these these clinical placements away. So I approached my manager and said, listen, these are the dates of my next clinicals. I know you have to replace me anyway with a, a casual staff that they, like a locum staff that they would fly in, which is not uncommon in the North. And so I said, Andrew, who used to work here, who she knew quite well, I said, has, has said he'll come up and work for me while I'm gone and stay in Anuvik and so that I can go and do my next clinical. And if it wasn't for Andrew, and I hope he listens to this podcast and appreciates that I'm mentioning him, um, <laughs> uh, I would not have finished school. 
So he, for my last two clinicals, so my second one-month clinical and my final two-month clinical, he actually flew up and worked in Anuvik and lived with my husband and my kids so that I could go to school. So if it wasn't for him, um, and then there's, I never would have been able to finish school. And so those are the kinds of friends that you meet and connect with in the North is people like that is amazing. And we yeah. will, we'll make sure we send this to Andrew and big, big props to Andrew for, for getting you yeah. through that, um, totally. that time because to be that close to, to almost being done, that must have been like heart-wrenching to even have to consider. Yeah. Um, especially, it, oh, sorry, I was going to say, especially since um, in the beginning, and I do want to get back to this part of your story, you mentioned that, you know, you started and then there was kind of this long break where the the timing just wasn't right and, uh-huh. and you had to kind of get yourself like recalibrated back into school. And I, I guess I, I'm curious about that piece too. Like what, what was going on in your life back then? And, and how did you even decide, yeah, I'm actually going to get like a lot more serious about this? Yeah. So the first time when I started back in 2007 or 2008, um, we just like, just had our kids, like my career was just kind of getting going. And we just, the courses are, are like $800 a course. So, I mean, it's a lot of money to, to, you know, commit to. Um, and our kids were young, they were in daycare. I mean, you're just hemorrhaging money when you have young kids at home. (laughs) Um, and so it just, at the time, like to, to, for me to be quote unquote selfish and to be taking that much money and that much, uh, out of our, out of our income and out of our budget, it, to me, it just didn't make sense at the time. And I was like, it's not, I don't need to do this now. I've got a good job. I really like my job. Um, you know, like this is something that I can do later in life. Like this is something that I can put off for now because my kids will only be little once and they're only, you know, like I I don't want to spend that much time away from them. So from 2008 until 2000, and I think it was 14 or 15 when I really got serious about it again, um, there was quite a, quite a break in there that I just, you know, like we just hunkered down and raised the kids and, and after we moved to Inuvik was when I got uh, really serious again. So my husband um, got a, a really great job up there and I went up and I think the turning point for me was when I got to Inuvik, I knew the hospital was there. I had been applying for jobs at the hospital um, and, and not getting anything, not getting any feedback. And, and it was really hard to get a full-time job there. Um, and when I first went, I had a, some terms and some casual contracts and that, but they basically they said, listen, we really don't have any LPN positions here. Like you have a, a lot of experience, and 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 this is great, but we we only really hire RNs in the acute area. Like if you want to work in in the long term care, like we're more than happy to have you. Which wasn't really my thing. Um, but really on the acute side, we don't really hire that many LPNs. And they had at the time three um, LPNs that that were working there. And and the only reason I got full time job there was because one of them ended up breaking his foot and going on long-term disability. And so when he left, then all of a sudden there was an opening and then I kind of slid into his line and it happened to be summer when they're desperate for staff. And it was just kind of one of those timing things where it was like, hey, we need someone and hey, you're here. So this is going to kind of work out. Um, And so that was so frustrating because had I been an RN, I would have been hired immediately, full-time, not an issue. Right. So because of the LPN designation, even though I had at that time, 10 years of, of acute medicine uh, in my back pocket, and I'd done northern nursing, and I'd done a lot of that kind of stuff. They just didn't have the room for me because I wasn't didn't have that designation. 
Right. So kind of hitting the wall in terms of, you know, the, the designation that that was sort of that next push that got you going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And just the fact that like, I am an adventurous soul and, and I want to go and do more and, and I want to experience like even further north and in even more remote places. And in order to do that, it's, you know, it's, it's so expensive to, to go to these places. But if you can get a contract there and work for six or eight weeks, then you get flown in and, and you can, you know, really immerse yourself in the community. And, and in order to do that, you need to have your bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree. You need to have your remote, remote and rural nursing course and those sorts of things that you can't do as an LPN. So it just, it got to the point in my career where it was, it was limiting me enough that it made me uncomfortable. And it, and that was the, the thing that, that pushed me to get back into it. And my manager at the time, who's now, uh, she's a member of the legislative assembly. Um, but my manager at the time, she, um, you know, her and I had a discussion. I said, listen, is there money, um, for people to go back to school here? Like is, does the North, the government of Northwest territories runs the, the, um, hospitals. And I said, is there money in the government that helps people out that want to go back to school? And in order for me to get that, um, that grant money, I had to be a full-time indeterminate employee. So she created a position for me that I could go from my term and casual positions that just kept getting extended. And she created a position to me to be full-time indeterminate and then pushed through my application for the funding. So I got a lot of funding to go back to school because of where I lived and, and, and working in the North, which again, as an LPN in the South, I couldn't access money to go back to school. RNs could access money to go back to school to get from their college diploma to their degree, but LPNs couldn't access money to go back to school. Interesting. So you navigated a whole bunch of structural uh, challenges as well. And, and that helped with your funding that, which is super important. Um, I'm a very stubborn individual (laughs) and I just was like, this is going to happen. And then once I got the funding, um, again, that was a push that like, if you don't finish and that's again, a part of, you know, a lot of these grants is that when you, you know, present your degree, then you're free and clear and you're good to go. You don't finish, you ha- you owe them the money back. Yeah. So for me, it was at, at that point where I thought I'd have to quit and not finish or even just take a break and not finish. I was like, uh, I'm going to owe a lot of money back. So, yeah. um, but, uh, like I said, it, it just, I, my friends came together and, and, and really supported me. And, and yeah, like they earned it just as much as I did. So that's amazing. <laughs> that's a theme I, I find in a lot of stories. It's, it's not just about one individual. It's about mm-hmm. all the support systems that they have in place. Yeah. Um, now, I do want to talk about, you know, being a nurse is a, is a really busy, demanding career. Um, and even while you were doing your, your online theory, for example, you, you needed to find time in your schedule to, to do your studies. And I, I'm just wondering about how you structured your time so that you could accomplish that as well as um, be a parent. Um, how did you structure your time? And do you have any study techniques that you'd like to share? Um, the winters in the Arctic are long and dark and cold. So you don't, (laughs) you have a lot of time that uh, you don't necessarily spend outdoors or that you spend doing things and and living in a small town like Anuvik, it's a population of uh, 3,200 people. So there's not a lot to do, you know, like there's, you get together with friends and you have like house parties and dinner parties and things like that, but there's not a lot to do. So, so I, I didn't have a lot of distraction there. Um, And, and I spent uh, like, I would work nights at, at work and then in bunch of my breaks together, take them all together 
together and sit down and study or, or, you know, start to write a paper or things like that. Um, and then in the evenings, like I said, my husband is, is amazing. Like after school, you know, we'll be home, have dinner. And then in the evenings, uh, I would just go up to my bedroom, shut the door and just work on school. And so, um, and setting yourself deadlines because they give you this, you know, these nice long timelines for these courses. And I would, you know, kind of lose interest and, and just kind of, you know, if I had three weeks to get a paper done, I'd just be like, oh, I'll leave it, put it off. But I, I made myself, um, I got a big calendar and stuck it on my bedroom wall and wrote in like, this essay is due this day and you're writing your exam this day. And, and even though the courses didn't necessarily have deadlines and timelines like that, I would make them for myself. I'd take the syllabus when I started a new course and just make myself deadlines so that I would actually do it. Cause otherwise I'd wait till the last day. Cause I'm an excellent procrastinator <laughs> and do all of it the last day and write the exam the next day. And so if I could focus it and, and make myself things, I like checking boxes and crossing things off a calendar. Like that's something I learned a lot of things about myself, like what motivates me and what really motivates me is a checklist that's all checked off. <laughs> so if I can make a checklist and when I get to the bottom and say, when I do this, this is my reward and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to get this done and, and then I'll be able to high five and, and I would make myself accountable to other people. I'd tell people at school, like, I'm taking this course now and I should be done this day and this is the day I'm writing my exam. So it would come up and people at work would say, so Bobby, how's school going? I don't want to talk about it today. And so then it would be, <laughs> oh, I've got to get back at it. But I had a lot of my coworkers that, that really supported me as well and that, and that would constantly ask about it and say, like, what's up next? And, you know, what are you doing here? And, and, and that really helped me because I want to give them good news. Like, you know, I want them to, to, to be proud of me and I want them to, to, you know, still continue to cheer me on. So if I have to tell them, yeah, I haven't done anything in three weeks. <laughs> then it's, it's, uh. That's fantastic. I, I'm getting the visual of your calendar and I, I can totally relate because I'm a check it off the list person too. And I, I think yeah. there is something to be said for for seeing, you know, setting deadlines for yourself, um, even when there aren't any, and just kind of holding yourself accountable and having other mm -hmm. people hold you accountable too. That's a great yeah. strategy. Yeah. Um, we talked a bit about what uh, was going on with your spouse during uh, some of your academic journey. What about your kids? They're, they're teenagers now, but uh, what was it like for them having uh, mom go back and be a student? Um. I, I don't know that they, sometimes I feel like they don't really know that I'm around because, because their dad was so, so much the parent for, for sort of the longest time. Um, and, uh, I think I talked to them about it a lot and I would say, mom's got to go do homework on the first day of school when the kids had to have their pictures, like I'd stand in the middle and, you know, have my little, you know, grade four, grade six and second year university. So, um, to, you know, show them that I'm, I'm in it with you and, and to understand that, you know, I've got to write tests and I've got to do this. And, um, my kids were, I, I feel like they're proud of me. Um, they, they seem to, you know, like cheer me on and things like that. I know I spent a lot of time saying, you know, mom can't do this cause I got to do homework. So, uh, but I did really want them to see that, um, you know, uh, that you can go back to school when you're older and you can do things. And my son who's 15 and is not the most academic individual in the world and doesn't really think that there's a use for school. But, um, and I say to him, you know, like if I had hunkered down and been more serious, 
maybe I would have done this when I was younger and done, done it before I had kids and before I had a mortgage and before all these things. And, and, you know, for me, I did it later on cause I had a really supportive family, but not everybody has that and not everybody has those opportunities to do that. So get your education when you're young and when you can, um, because, you know, you can do it when you're 35, but it's easier when you're 19. So, um, I think, I think they saw me struggle and I wanted, and I didn't want to hide that from them, um, to show that, you know, uh, that I was committed to this. And, um, when I would go away, my daughter would send me care packages with little, you know, notes in it and, you know, heart erasers and things that, you know, she would collect and and send to me and, you know, um, we'd have our little, you know, FaceTime calls and things like that. And, um, they, I think they appreciated like when Andrew would go up and sort of replace me and, and, you know, he's a lot more fun than I am and, and doesn't follow the rules as much. And, and my husband and Andrew would have a lot more creative dinner meals than, than maybe I would. And, the kids didn't necessarily eat as many vegetables as they did when I was home. So they, and they're really close to Andrew, uh, because of it too. Um, so they, they've seen how, you know, it's, it's, we're not a super traditional, um, uh, necessarily family in, in that sense. And that like, we've got other people that have come to help us out and that's okay. And, and just to show them that, you know, it, it takes a village not only to raise a kid, but sometimes to raise an adult. So, um, you know, it, and, and just to, to, to show them, you know, hey, this is, this is, it's okay to do it this way. And it's okay to, for things to go this way, but it's not easy, you know, and, and it's, it's best to do it when you're younger. That being said, people have asked me, do you wish you'd taken your degree originally? Do you wish you'd gone and got your RN instead of your LPN back in 2003? And I say no. And the reason I say no is because I wouldn't have the experiences that I've had in life if I had done it right away. We never would have had to move north. We never would have had that push to move to a remote community in the first place because I would have been able to walk at a university and get a job in the city I lived in, and that would have been it, and I probably never would have looked past that. Yeah. But it's the struggles that I had to get those, um, to get that in my life has really um, taken me where you know, across the country. It's taken me, if I'd gone to university originally, and even if we had still moved to Inuvik, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to go and study in Edmonton and met the people that I met through my program that I am so close with now. And, and I still, you know, um, I have friendships that, that I value that I've met through um, going back to school. And um, just the fact that, like, it would have been too easy for me, I think. I, I might have gotten bored with it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I know that that my life would have been completely different had I done this before. And I like how my life has turned out. So yeah. I, I think you raise a really valid point in that, um, you know, a lot of times it's, it's that interplay between actual experience and, and education and, and all of the learning that you brought uh, by being an LPN and, and being in different communities and, and having to, you know, having to move to different places to kind of take advantage of, of the opportunities, you were able to bring that back into an RN degree in a way that someone who um, perhaps was younger and, and, and just kind of going through this uh, without a lot of life experience might not have gotten the same out of the degree. And I, I think about that a lot, too, uh, in terms of my own educational journey. And um, and the educational journey is is never really over. And I know yours is not over yet, because you're telling me in your guest questionnaire about some other courses that you're doing. Um, can you share a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, 
Um, when, when I took my LPN diploma, um, it feels like a hundred years ago now, um, I really wanted to do, um, um, mat child nursing. So maternity, labor and delivery, that kind of thing through working. I was able to do a little bit of that in, in working in remote centers because they're smaller hospitals and you get to do, um, a little bit of everything. You're not just doing one kind of nursing. Um, and so for me, one of the big pushes to get my degree was that I wanted to pursue that labor and delivery, um, um, specialty. Um, so when I finished my degree, um, we still lived in Inuvik and I went back to that small hospital of, uh, 14 beds and, uh, it, it, it felt, it felt, it was feeling smaller to me than it did before. And I, and I wanted to just stretch out a little bit and have a little bit more, um, of a wider experience, which, which is what brought me to Yellowknife. Um, originally it's a bigger hospital. It's, it's the territorial hospital. Um, and, uh, it's just a, a, a bigger center with more opportunity. So I came here as a float nurse and, and I've done a little bit of this and that and, and going to the, um, obstetrics unit and talking to the manager there and saying, Hey, what do I need to do to come and work for you? Cause this is what I've wanted to do forever. I may not love it and I may not be good at it, but let's, this is what I want to try next. Um, and so she steered me toward the BCIT, which is the British Columbia Institute of Technology, uh, program for, it's a post, uh, degree program, uh, for a perinatal nursing specialty. It is three theory courses, two, um, practical courses, and then again, um, uh, two month clinical placement. Um, so I got on board, I'm, uh, online learning, I've done this before. I'm a pro at it. I can get this done. So I did the the three uh, theory courses, the practical courses I've done. Um, one of them is neonatal resuscitation, which I've had for years. Um, the other one is a fetal health surveillance course that I actually took with one of the girls that I worked in Inuvik with. We went down to Vancouver and took that course a couple of years ago. Um, and then my um, clinical placement actually starts this weekend. Um, I start tonight and 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 do my 25 shifts that is preceptored again. Um, so I'm back in that learner role. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Um, I feel like this is going to sort of complete the whole cycle of, of how this all started um, back in the early 2000s. And I'm finally going to get um, that into that role that I've, that I've kind of pursued this entire time. Um, I'm excited for it. Um, I keep telling my family and friends, don't let me take any more courses after this. I don't want to be in school anymore. I don't want to write another essay. I don't want to write another exam. I don't want to be a learner anymore. Um, but that being said, I'm, I'm actually really excited to, to get into it and learn a, a new skill that, that I've always kind of been on the sidelines of and, and done some postpartum uh, nursing and done some neonatal nursing, but never actually done the uh, labor and delivery part. Um, I, uh, my final preceptorship with Athabasca was here in Yellowknife on the obstetrics unit. I did a lot of postpartum there and I did a little bit of labor and delivery, but not, not very much. So this is my, this is my big final hurrah, I guess you would say, um, to get my, so my, I finished my degree in 2018, two years ago, and now, um, doing my perinatal specialty. Um, so I'll have that, um, in the, my back pocket. And, and I'm almost more excited to get that specialty certificate. And it's going to go up on the wall right next to my degree. Um, because it's something that I feel like in my heart, I've been pursuing for 17 years, even though it's been sort of a very short time, uh, recently, but, um, 
I, I don't know if it's, if it's my personality and that I don't ever want to stop learning, <laughs> although I say I do all the time, but it's just one more thing that I can, I can sort of put in my back pocket and say, yeah, I've, now I've done this and I've got my specialty um, as well. So, well, I love this story and I, I love that, um, you know, serendipitously we're, we're having this conversation on, on the night when you're kind of starting the final push of, of this whole uh, piece of your education. So, so that's super cool. Um, I'm going to, we're going to kind of wrap up here uh, pretty soon, but I just want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, first of all, what would you say is the most positive thing for you about this entire back to school experience so far? Um, I think, I mean, it was great getting my degree and I don't want to, I don't want to like downplay that, but, but just the, the experiences that I've had, I've had a great opportunity in the middle of my career to be a learner again and to go into to a hospital and be in that student role and get some experiences that I, that I otherwise wouldn't have had. I, I was able to, to get an experience on a, on a, a general surgery unit that normally, unless you, you know, are getting a job there, you would never have the opportunity to do that. It wasn't my favorite thing. I learned a ton and I loved it while I was in it. I would probably never go back and work there, but it was such a great experience. So um, to, and I know so many nurses that, that have done, you know, they, they get their degree or their diploma and they go and they work medicine or they work ICU or they work eMERGE or they work obstetrics and that's all they do and they only ever do that one thing. I've had such a great opportunity to work in smaller hospitals where you get to dabble in a little bit of uh, some different things and, and having this experience to go back to school and become a learner again has been invaluable. Like if I didn't get my degree, I would still be so happy for those experiences that I had. And personally, that experience of going out on my own and living on my own and doing something on my own without my husband or my kids or my family, but to have that at, what was I, 35, for the first time in my life to live on my own was like mind-blowing because when I realized that I was 35 and it's the first time I'd lived on my own, it, it made me a little scared, but I did it and I was successful at it and I nailed it. So knowing that you can get out of your comfort zone and do something like that. And I mean, I've moved across the country. So living in an Airbnb by yourself for a month maybe doesn't seem like a big thing, but for me it was. And so realizing you can push yourself and, and actually accomplish something that you didn't think you could is a huge takeaway for me. Well, that's brilliant. And that, that sounds like a, a good place to uh, to end this conversation on that note. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, this is great. Like, thanks for the opportunity. Like, I love talking about it. And I, I hope other people hear this and, and, and think about it and consider doing what I did. Listening to Bobby talk about life in the North, I just wanted to move there. Not only does it sound amazingly picturesque, but the sense of real community, that was incredible. Having a friend like Andrew, who would literally move in so that Bobby could finish school, how phenomenal is that? Hearing Bobby's story, I'm reminded of the importance of timing and ensuring the family is ready to support a back-to-school journey. Her first attempt wasn't at a good time, and that made it hard to accomplish the goal. When she was ready to try again, even in the face of a lot of challenges and being away from home for long stretches of time, she managed to successfully earn her degree. Lastly, who we marry is perhaps one of our most important career decisions. 
Bobby is lucky to have an incredible spouse who supported her back-to-school journey, and I'm also very fortunate to have that support as well. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Athabasca University, for generously supporting the show. You can find out more about their many educational offerings at athabascau.ca. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homelands of First Nations and Métis people. Special thanks to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.